0: Thank mm-hmm. you. Too busy, and death's a bit too much. They call on me by name, you see, for my special touch. To the gentlemen, I'm misfortune, to the ladies, I'm surprised. But call me by any name, anyway, it's all the same. I'm the fly in your suit, I'm the pedal in your shoe. Beneath your bed, I'm the bump on every head. I'm the peel on which you slip. I'm the pin in every head. I'm the thorn in your side, makes you wriggle and ride. And it's so easy when you're evil. This is the life you see, the devil tips his to me. Need. While there's children to make sad While there's candy to be had While there's pockets left to pick While there's grannies left to drip Devil tips is up to me. I do it all because I need both. and I do it all for free. Your tears are all. teeth your tears
1: are all the company I need Gaming on the Frontier And
0: now your host
1: This is Bruce and this is Trav. Welcome to Gaming on the Frontier, your podcast of finding out how far you can push the other players and still be a hero. Or are you? And a big shout out to Voltaire and the Devil's Briss. Track number 11, When You're Evil, who so kindly provided this particular episode's intro. Thanks again.
2: Meow. Yeah. That was Skeletor, by the way, doesn't it?
1: Oh, was that Skeletor? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it sounded—it sounded like a very caddish Skeletor. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. because that's how he sounds like.
1: <laughs> I, you know, I, I spent a while. I don't remember that that well, but yeah. Uh, so this week we are talking about being evil, uh, as in playing an evil character or running an evil character. If you're the GM, you know, which is really just your, as we all know, it's, you know, you're Mary Sue, right?
2: You said you wouldn't but, tell
1: um, yeah. yeah, 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 oh, sorry yeah. Uh, Anyways, uh, so, and there's lots and lots of issues about doing this And so we thought we'd get into it Because we know that the, the general, basically the general point of view of, of everybody that you run into, including my own son Because I asked him about this uh, is Is that, you know, people will not be happy playing an evil character you know, and, and of course uh, being happy may not be the point if you're playing evil.
2: So yeah, so how to play evil and get away with it.
1: Right. So I- you've decided to play an evil character, so how are you you know, what's what's the the best, you know, you know, is looking talking to us, the old game masters, the ones with all the years of experience are belt. how's the best way of getting away with getting what you want without basically having the whole party turn against you or so on and so forth
2: well not saying that you're evil if you identify as that that's that red flag right there yeah. well, what they say actions speak louder than words if you say you're evil you're going to get you know have the kibosh put on you right away yeah and it says most evil characters masquerade as neutral but neutral isn't evil yeah they'll sit right. there and hide the really nasty evil stuff until they do it. Mm-hmm. And then that's when if you're a party of good characters and you have the evil character, I mean it could be Machiavelli and yeah, he does something nasty but still gets something done. And then as Bruce says, conflict brings on for good role playing. It's like, "Yeah, you killed, I mean you you eviscerated this guard, but now because you did that, we can go forward with our mission." Yeah, but you 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 slit him from neck to crotch. I mean, all we wanted to do is knock him out. What? There's no more guard. What? Don't judge me. <laughs> Of course we're going to judge you. You just killed the guard. Yeah, Right. There's blood all over the ground. You
1: didn't have to kill him. We could have yeah. just tied him up.
2: Right.
1: Well, that's... What if he got loose? What if he, uh, you know... What if right, someone exactly. found him?
2: Yeah. And if then, he's
1: dead, then we can, you know, make him smaller and hide him better. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like you hear these... You had these rationales from evil characters, you know. Uh, so, uh, yeah, you got to... You, you basically... The, a really good thing, if you're playing an evil character... Unless you're in the in in the process of intimidating somebody or, you know, engaging in some kind of negotiation, it's best not to talk at all. Because you'll give yourself away if you're actually playing your character true to an evil, you know, an, an evil point of view. Well, that's and why what... if
2: you're playing an evil character, it's a power play between the players and the characters because... Yeah, you're the evil guy. You're want you have your own agenda whatever that may be. And then you've got your other four or five players in the party who have good characters who are going to sit there and either do one or two things once they find out you're evil. They're going to just whoop you. They're going to put they're going you're going to get the evil character is going to get quote unquote what I call the hammer. Or those good characters are going to sit there and redirect that evil for when I mean they're going to turn it into something surgical. Or they're
1: going to chase you away. They just won't play with you.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, and that that that, that falls under the grouping of a hammer. Something bad happens to the player or the character, okay. or the players decide. Wait a minute, we could use this. Yeah, he. What what's the thing that they said about Nixon? He may be an evil, heartless, ratless sob, but he's our evil, heartless rat sob. You know.
1: Yeah. See, I never bought that. <laughs> I was like, uh, I don't have, if he's an evil, heartless, rat-faced SOB, he's got nothing to do with me. <laughs> well,
2: that's that's what not, the, well, that's what I mean. That's what the good players will try to do. That means yes. They'll at least be enterprising. It's like, okay. Yeah,
1: um, yeah as, I, a, as a PC, you have this social contract going between you and the other PCs to try to get your character in to stay in the party and involved in what the party's doing. So, so in a way it's a very un unfair situation because they really should just say go roll up a new character you know we're not playing with this character anymore and i even threatened uh, a, a gm recently about that i said look he says i you know if this person does not change their behavior i am going to you know do my very best to get the other players to not play with this character you know not with the player but the character that the player is it's playing, you know, because and 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 the GM said, "Oh, okay, I'm I'm gonna go talk to this person," and uh, and and they did. They 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 they, you know, they they, they didn't they didn't fly right, but they straightened up.
2: <laughs> well, that's what I mean. If you remember the old '90s cartoon, and it was of that batch of Steven Spielberg Warner Brothers cartoons, Road Rovers. Okay. Where you had the one. I mean, you had all the good dogs, you know, Hunter yeah. and Blitz. And then you add Muzzle. Yeah. Who was the one that when they just let him loose, he ripped everybody apart and all the Road Rovers were just wincing, like, oh, oh, he bit there. Oh, God. And then, you know, they leashed him up again and put him back in the Hannibal Lecter cart with the mask and everything was fine. They only released <laughs> that exceedingly evil character when just all the cards were on the table and their backs are against the wall. Okay, unmuzzle muzzle.
0: Yeah. Oh, I that's all else it failed.
2: Yeah, when all else fails, we stuff, might
0: as
1: well try yeah. this.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, usually they will use that in the good, the good players, the good characters trying to harness that evil character. When they do everything that they are willing to do, that's when they'll like, and and sometimes the evil character will see it's not working and just go stand aside. Yeah, and then just out comes yeah. the shade, and yeah, you oh, it's like, or they'll 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 or what's the one thing? Good cop, bad cop. They'll do that right then and there. They'll have. You can talk to me, or you can talk to
0: him. <laughs> right.
2: Well, and then, like, the Weapon. Oh, like, good cop, bad cop. Shut up. Oh, so it's like, bad cop, bad cop. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah,
1: we're both sons of bitches, yeah.
2: <laughs> See, oh, I said SOBs, but not, okay. Right. I'm
1: sorry. Right. I'll, I'll, I'll edit it out.
2: No, 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 no. Now I know we can get away with it. Okay.
1: No, no, don't. No. Uh, anyways uh, Yeah so but the problem You don't want to be a player character care has a character that only gets let off It's leash like once every 10 Adventures well, <laughs> 10 sessions that's,
2: that's the whole point of the evil character I mean that's good role playing because this evil Character is going to be constantly trying to get out To do what he wants to do And it's like I got you know The paladin And the sunshine squad over here to Only let me out to play When it's useful for them well, if I'm yeah. sitting there and manipulating them, that's power playing. Now again, if you're all advanced gamers and know what you're doing and doing it for the art of for the art of collective storytelling, it's gonna end up being a wonderful campaign because you're playing you I mean, your characters, excuse me, might be angry as hell at each other, but the players are all there laughing and grinning at each other because it's good role play. So it's yeah. it's kinda of up to the evil player character and the player behind that character to learn it's like okay no i'm gonna do things here i'm not gonna be you know this the 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 pet of the sunshine squad i'm Mm -hmm. going to do this and we're gonna get things done if they don't like what what's the old phrase it's better to ask for forgiveness and permission yeah 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 and that's up to the evil the player of the evil character to just cut the leash and just say let me do what i want when i want for the good of the party because i may need your protection yeah, right. I'll rein it in. But there are going to be times where... And it's another social contract among the party that, like... There's going to be certain times you just need my te- my <clears throat> unique experience.
1: Right, right. And, you know, and as a player, you need to understand what enlightened self-interest means. Okay? And some, I think so many players do miss this. You know, it's that you, you can be chaotic and still abide by contracts and agreements... OK, it's it's just you have to have a good reason to do so.
2: Well, my whole thing one, with chaotic, Bennett... like, like the differences between lawful neutral and chaotic good, lawful good, the paladin will not break any rule under any circumstance because he is so abiding by that code. Neutral good. Batman. Yeah, he, he's a good guy and he'll follow most rules, but he'll be breaking and entering an assault and battery to stop a murderer. Then you have chaotic good. The only reason why they're good is cuz they don't want to be in jail. Rules are for suckers. Now you well,
1: can't. no, no chaotic good wants to do good.
2: They just do they're, it on their own terms. They don't Yeah, follow.
1: they basically they, yeah. they 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 do what they think is right at the moment.
2: Right. And they're and the kings they,
1: of situational ethics.
2: Yeah, but yeah, and they think that the common laws ethics everyone follows like no, that that's like a group delusion. I'm going to do good because I want to. It suits my purposes i'm still a decent guy i'm not going to go out and slaughter millions of people but i'm also you know i'll jaywalk i'll you know i'll litter i don't care i mean that stuff you know that's not part of the greater good but i'm I still take, not i gonna... will
1: take my heart medication
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh oh you wild person you yeah um yeah but
1: living on the edge
2: yeah <laughs> well it's like lawful neutral and chaotic evil lawful or lu- er, that Lawful evil, your yakuza and your organized crime. Neutral evil, they are evil for the sake of evil. And I got one word for chaotic evil, and I I dare anybody to to differ me on this. As the saying goes, we await your angry letters. Joker, Joker is the embodiment of chaotic evil. He wishes to harm people, and he does everything on a whim. Now, Two Face, I would consider him lawful evil because everything is decided by the flip of that coin, smooth side up. He'll let a person go. Scarred side up, he'll gun them down right there. Zero F's given. But he still abides by the laws of the decision of that coin. So I would consider Two-Face lawful evil. But chaotic evil? No. Joker. Hands down. And to go an extra step, I would especially say even Heath Ledger's Joker. Because he actually talked about chaos. He actually brought it up as part of his... Well, for lack of a better term, methodology. And abiding, uh, let's see, abiding by contracts and agreements.
1: Yeah, he had people working for him. The yeah. Joker did.
2: Well, that I, was, mean, I don't think that was a contractor agreement. That was out of fear. And even then, they knew. No,
1: no I'm sure that they expected was, to get paid or get a piece of the action. I think that's one reason why they got so mad when he burned the huge mound of money. Everybody was expecting to get a share of that.
2: Yeah, it, it, yeah as I said, it just, with him, it just, I always saw it's like, why would he have gang members? It's like they don't know. They they can't trust him because they know at a moment's notice he'll do something like that, or you know, like you know, with you
1: they know, do then. I a- don't think up till then do they realize that.
2: Well, it's like you know, the eighty nine Batman Bob gun bang shoots his number one guy dead right then and there. Just you know, out of the blue, just poor Tracy Walters, man. Bob just bit the bullet right then and there when, and I think it was. The other guy that just handed the gun, and they all watch as Joker just shot his number one guy down. Um, but yeah, just a good enough reason to. Usually, the only thing I would think of, if there's a good enough reason, if you're chaotic and you abide by a contract or agreement, self preservation.
1: Oh well, yeah, that's enlightened self interest. At the top, there's going to be self preservation. Yeah, yeah, it's all about self. Remember, evil's about self. It's about going in domination of other people. It's about enjoying other people's pain. So um, it's yeah, but you you have to you you have to understand that in order to get some things, sometimes you have to, you know, in, you have to help other people so you can gain their resources to help you gain what it is that you really want.
2: What is the phrase? No man is an island unto himself. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So it, it's and you know it's uh you know mob, mobs storm gates a lot easier than a single person. Yeah. <laughs> so. It's uh, so you can do that, you know. But you have to. But the really, but you know, uh, the really, one of the really important rules is, you know, don't, you know, do do where you sleep.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: You know, don't, you know, you don't, uh, you know, you, you you don't, you know, uh, abuse the uh, paladin's daughter. <laughs> okay. You, know, you don't, you know, you don't mess with other people that are close to you that you expect to have your back.
2: Don't bite you the ha- hand that feeds you.
1: Don't bite the hand that feeds you. You know, yes. don't uh, you know? Let sleeping dogs lie. Oh yeah,
2: there's a bunch of <laughs> adages here, but basically, yes. Yeah. If you're going to be evil, don't. But again, be treat, be careful how you treat people on the way up because you will meet them again on the way down. Yes.
1: Right, right. You know, so and it's, it's amazing if you treat people. It's funny you treat certain people, you know, nicely, and they will have your back. Uh, sometimes unbelievably, I mean, they'll protect you. They'll give you shelter. I mean, you know, they—they uh, they sh- anybody else would just throw you to the wolves, but they won't, because they're you know they know you're evil, but you know they're that, that makes them better than you, and so therefore they have to take the higher road, and a lot of times that you know as long as you throw yourself on their mercy, you know they'll actually you know protect you and 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 even die for you, so, but uh, also. Uh, you know, if you're evil, can't be evil twenty four seven. Know, yeah, you didn't need you didn't need a re- to you know take a break every once in a while. So it's good to have some place where you can, you know, not be evil. <laughs> okay, where everyone's my, not worried about you to being my evil.
2: Lair, Mister Powers. <laughs> yeah,
1: but I mean, you you want to be able to go someplace where everybody's not waiting for you to like pull out a gun and kill everybody. Right. You know, restaurants. Uh, you know, that's why it's always good to have th- uh, sanctuaries of various kinds. Uh, you know, uh, in Highlander, uh, they said you, you cannot fight on holy ground. Yeah. Now, I, I, I believe there was actually a supernatural element that would punish you if you did. I believe
2: but even, so, yeah.
1: Even without that, it was a great convention. It meant there was one place. You, there was always a, a place fairly nearby anywhere you went. Where you could go and you could talk to the other person Without actually having to fight them at that very moment Then you go out And then, you know, so there was a place There was a place of truce And it was uh, And everybody needs that Even evil needs that You know, because evil can't As I say, evil can't be evil all the time Evil wears itself out doing that
2: (laughs) If you remember Champions And the module game setting Neutral Ground It's where you It it was a place out in the ocean that both heroes and villains could go, and because the staff was good at countering these fights, you could be sitting there and playing chess with, you know, the big bad of the Champions Universe, Doctor Destroyer, which was basically their version of, like, Doctor Doom. Right. And you could sit there, and you didn't have to be evil there, because you won, you know, it was... A neutral it was like a demilitarized zone you couldn't do anything there and two the staff was exceedingly well in putting the things down they would one you know they they you know pound on you there and two you would lose access to said sanctuary right so yeah i did when you were talking about that that that's what reminded me that old module from like 30 years ago that steve long wrote
0: okay
1: yeah so uh uh, okay, so uh, uh, having lots of minions that you, when I say treat well, I mean you don't abuse. Yeah. <laughs> okay, is really good because a is that there's not, now now anybody comes up against you if they're not smart enough to know who you are, there's multiple targets. Yeah. <laughs> Secondly, is is that uh, you're much more intimidating. You know, the guy who walks up to you and says, "Hey, you, I don't like your face, and I want you to get out of town." You know, he might think he can take you. But when, when 10 guys walk up to him, well, he better really be, you know, tough. You yeah. better be, you know, able to really take on 10 guys, or you're probably going to, that person's probably going to back down. Or
2: what's that what's that thing Ron White said? I don't know how many guys I have, but I knew how many it took to take me down. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Well, well, yeah, safety in numbers, basically.
1: But it's yeah. also the fact that minions have, you know, they're they're loyal to you they serve your purposes at the same time you know they're they're at you know they're relatively cheap you know and um you know and and you can add that and they're adding their strength to you yeah. you know as long and as long as you abide by your agreements with them you know um uh, and they're really caught you know pound for pound you know the only thing better than than minions is undead yeah you know uh undead have you know have their own issues uh, because it's really hard to convince anybody that you're not evil if you're surrounded by a whole bunch of undead. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a real, it's a real PR nightmare. Yeah. You know? But uh, at the same time, and they, and they do have a tendency to smell pretty bad.
2: Yeah, but see, here's the thing about undead. Let's say you have robot minions. You can't hack undead. You can hack. Right. You know, it's like yeah, it's like oh, I have my robot minions that will take care. Of, you know this meddling group of heroes and one of them's a hacker and congratulations and the hacker's now going get them my cronies so yeah undead i would have to say are probably the best minion you don't have to feed them you don't have to deal with a lot of environmental issues like food water sleep health care you know any of that you don't have to deal with it again the smell you brought up you know let's face it it's a dead body you know
0: yeah
1: it de- it depends on how your system handles you know uh, dead things you know they may fall apart within a short what? period of time and um, but um, yeah the cl- what's the classic thing get them boys and while they're attacking you the, the 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 bad guy gets away yeah oh yeah that, that you should so you should always have a, a, a at least a a, relative, a small cadre of minions who can act as a as a as you say a, a a meat barrier between you and the people that might want to do you harm, and what, what you was know a term
2: it, that I heard at Gen Con when I was running the Talbot's Raiders thing. Oh, bullet sponges!
1: Yeah, yeah bullet sponges, but they're also spies well, because yeah, you know yeah. you leave the room and they're still over there shining your armor or doing like that, and someone starts talking trash about you. Well, they're going to come back because they're your guy.
2: Well, yeah, you know Bob, you know Trey, you know Bob, the Joker's guy. He's there in the uh, uh, off in the alley, taking pictures of Vicky Vale out on the street and everything. Yeah, yeah, it it just yeah, having minions. Yeah, you need to have, especially if you're a villain that like the Joker is very conspicuous. You need to be able to run your affairs from. I, I'll use an example of my one Thursday night game. The and I'm using the Haven City of Violence setting, but it's nanotech infused superheroes. And one of them went rogue to take over the local mob. Okay. Because it was a matter, well, the previous the mobster that I'm now controlling his forces, he ran my father out of town years ago. And so I'm, you know, fulfilling my father's wishes saying he'll be back. Well, he died. I'm his son. So, yeah. So I have this character hiding figuratively and literally underground. So he's having, you know, his... The, you know the 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 mob that his dad's former enemy are now his men so he does they do everything for him because he stays hidden not because the cops are after him no the cops in in this setting are corrupt as all hell it's because his former teammates the player characters are looking for
1: mm-hmm.
0: so
2: he's now yeah so you need minions mooks goons whatever right to just be your eyes and ears and hands
1: Right. And meat shields.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: They're they're expendable.
2: Yeah. And, and and if you treat them well, yeah, they will be somewhat of a new renewable resource. In in this Haven setting, you know, it the mob is there. I mean it, and, and you know, it's the whole concept of the made man, you know, you have people who want to join because they want to rise to the ranks uh-huh. and eventually become something in the family right yeah so the the romanticized lure of being a mobster is there, and if you have the right connections, you can get in, so yeah, if you know who to look for, you'll have a somewhat renewable resource if you are treating your your underlings, yeah, I get to wear nice suits and eat at the fancy Italian restaurant down the street and you know have a little linguine and have some nice vino, you know, hey, you know what I'm talking about, yeah, so yeah. If you treat them well, and there was a phrase. And I'm blanking. I want to say it was Sir Richard Branson that said it, the guy who runs uh, Virgin Airlines, and I'm blanking on it. I'll probably it'll probably come to me later. But yeah, um, and as I said, with a lot of criminals, especially organized crime, there is that romanticized view that you are looking for here and it is the media has i mean like the sopranos and the godfather you know they it really has romanticized the concept of american organized crime so yeah it is where in this setting my bad guy taylor he has a somewhat renewable resource because it's always you're always going to have new blood wanting to come in and rise to the ranks they know that getting shot and killed is an occupational hazard But of course, oh, it won't happen to me Because I'm better than them So yeah, treating your guys good If you treat them really well Just the lure will be there You can always
1: get more All right. so uh, I wanted to talk about How some basic primary uh, Aspects of your character Has to be oriented When you're playing an evil character So the very first thing I had here Is that you have to know What matters most to your character That's your primary goal even if you are a king, you might have a goal that's not running the country. You need to know what it is that you really, truly want. So basically, so, the
2: person got into power. He, he has a goal, and he figured, well, if I'm running the country, I can get to that goal a lot quicker if I'm controlling everything in the country. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, it could be any number of things. It could be, I want to marry. I want to marry this woman, okay? So if I rise to the top of the country... Then by the power of, of my authority, I'll be able to command her to be my wife, yeah. and or, or may or maybe make a negotiation with. If it's this, that's kind of a society where there are arranged marriages, yeah. then well, I mean they'll they'll even be grateful that you decide to marry their daughter, you know, or or whatever, you know, you you. Uh, so if that's your goal, then you need to focus, and then also it allows you to not waste your evilness on things that don't matter, you know, don't. You don't have to, like, you know, burn down a t- uh, a, a, an orphanage when uh, because it, it gives you giggles, okay, when that's not going to help you achieve your goal. Yeah. So by knowing what your goal is, you can focus your efforts in that direction and put all of your best resources to that goal. Uh, and, and everything and everything else can basically fall by the side. And so in a lot of cases, you know, people can appear to be just, great, you know, normal people, you're, you know. You, you, you don't treat other people badly Because it hasn't anything to do With what it is that you're really interested in you, know, you don't randomly go up and smack people Just because you're evil
2: Well, yeah, we'll use in Bureau 13 Matthias Bolt I mean, the man, yeah, he wants to take over the world Yeah, he is as evil as they come But the man is also Outwardly Probably one of America's biggest philanthropists He has orphanages and children's homes And he does food for the homeless and all this and yep. he puts what a guy yeah and he puts these things next to you know his you know magic item vaults where he keeps all of these people yeah well if you destroy this vault you also destroy this orphanage that i have over here and the bureau agents are like damn it he got us because he knows yeah. how to do that where yeah i'm gonna come out smelling like a rose and if anything you're gonna end up looking like looking like the bad guy
1: you, yeah, you, yeah. So, what what you, you did destroyed the an orphanage, yeah, and he's like saying, that, "I don't know why they did that." I'm, I'm an honest businessman.
2: <laughs> yeah, but and, yeah. and again, I'll use the example of Magneto. His goal: make sure that mutants are never in a position to be subjugated by humans. It's mm-hmm. not so much wiping out humans. No, he just wants to make sure that the same thing that happened to the Jews in the '30s doesn't happen to mutants. That's his goal. Now, unfortunately, he's taking the route of subjugating humans and killing them now and again. He just wants to make sure that he doesn't see two holocausts in one lifetime. That's his goal. So when he does what he does, again, it's because that is, what to term? Eye on the prize.
1: Yeah, he knows what he wants. That's why, that's why he's so dangerous. Yeah. You know, people like, um, oh... Uh, like, um, shoot, uh, the guy who's unstoppable um, uh, has the helmet with juggernaut. The, the juggernaut. Yeah, that guy arguably is evil too, but you know he's totally. He just, you know, he just <laughs> he has no other than gaining money. You know, he, he doesn't really have any any focus in his life. So yeah, he he, he causes trouble. He he ba- goes around bashing things, but ultimately he's he's not a you know he just. Fall above the street level pride. Well, you yeah, know?
2: remember, he was a bully. He was Charles Xavier's stepbrother when the mom married Kane Marco's father, Cain was a bully to Charles. Because Cain right. was a big burly guy and Charles was small and geeky. And then he got the I think it was the Gemma Siderac and that's yeah, what so. chased him in the armor, and now he is unstoppable. Now he can be a bully to everybody. But deep down, right. he's still a bully.
1: Yeah, if but he, he does—he doesn't have any aspirations. Is you know, he what matters to him is isn't anything beyond you know what is what you know just just the pleasure of the moment of well, dominate somebody that, else. Um,
2: and I, they haven't talked about it. They didn't haven't done any of the movies yet, but in the comics, Banshee's cousin Black Tom Cassidy is often the brains between the two.
1: Uh-huh.
2: Juggernaut is—is is, he? He's not all that bright. He's a thug. He is he's the tool by which Black Tom Cassidy does what he wants. And so I'm going to get this guy who is totally physically unstoppable to make sure I get what I want. And because, you know, Cassidy treats him correctly, he's no more than, you know, the aforementioned minion. A very powerful minion, but still a minion nonetheless. Because, yeah, Kane Marco's not all that bright. He's not, What what's his tactic? Run through something or someone. You know, that's it. They shoot at me, it'll bounce off. So yeah, right. it, it it's his goal. Yeah, you you said it best. The goal of the moment. Yeah, it, it's so he follows yeah. his horn ornament. That's how he gets through life. He follows the right.
1: Ornament. right. That's so, right. So, uh, uh, actually, secondly, what, what is, it, is your relationship to your god, if any, if, that you believe in? Because that's going to uh, affect what you can and can't do.
2: Oh no, there's there's been some uh, decent villains that. Yeah, they were in the service of the of, of the church. Oh God, and I'm blanking on it's Lady Hawk, but I forget the, the bishop that caused the curse between Rutger Hauer and Michelle Pfeiffer's character. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. He was a man of God, but he was so obsessed with Isabeau, Michelle Pfeiffer's character, and Rutger Hauer, and I forget his character's name, but because he was jealous of those two, he inflicted that curse upon. He was still a man of the cloth. He still had but it just, he was obsessed with this woman, just like the Cardinal was obsessed with Esmeralda in The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Right. So, yeah, there's a lot of...
1: But you have, you know, I'm saying, though, is that, you know, you can be evil, but if you have religious beliefs, they are going to affect you. It's one of the few things that you can't really trump. I mean, you might be able to work within the constraints that your religion gives... You know, and sometimes your religion can egg you on if you happen to be a, a, a believer of a God that's particularly warlike, if you worship Ares, for example, yeah,
2: yeah. or
1: other things. you know, so I mean you, having having a a, a a god, the power of a God behind you, if you're evil is a tremendous asset because you know you, you that's that's one asset that you're. You, you could pretty much rely on, you know, because gods, the way they're presented, are pretty much, they're very, you know, uh, duty-bound to their, um, their orientations, their goals themselves. So as long as you can promote the gods' goals while promoting your own, you can get a huge amount of benefit. But it also constrains you, because if the god ha- has requirements, then even though you're evil, you're going to have to still toe the line.
2: Well, it's like I'll I'll use an example in my Sunday game, uh, and he's been on the podcast before. Jeff DeRuff um, plays a biker who was also part of it, like a Satanist cult. He was a, the cult was full of karsis. So the way I did it is, yeah, his demonic patrons. Oh no, if you had their powers, you had to be a bad guy. Well, after a while, Chopper, the character, real name was Don Mason. But Chopper, you know, he ended up hooking up with the rest of the player characters. And here he is, he's being a hero. Yeah, he's using demonic influence to wipe out bad guys. Well, I did an adventure a little while ago, and we're in and we're using the concept of these demons as god for sake of the, the argument here. I, I even played it out with Jeff. I said, okay, after a while, you let's face it, you've been playing the hero. Your character has been using demonic power used to basically cause mayhem to do anything but. We are going to run an adventure where you have to pay the piper. And he did. He got his power yanked. So we had to find another faction of demons who basically said, yeah, we give you power, but it's to do what you want. And it's to, for us to absorb experiences, to see what it's like in the material realm. Basically, yeah, you can. we'll give you power, but it's just so we know what it's like up there. We're going to live vicariously through you. We don't care what you do. But in that time before this new patron came along to give Chopper's powers, yeah, he performed rituals. He was a bad guy. But in the end, he was playing chaotic neutral. He wasn't a really evil character. He was just out for himself. But yeah, I still had it where he had this relationship with these demons that, and then he kind of reneged because he was going toward the path of the hero. So after a while, he got, it. you know, he got called on the carpet as it were. Um, let's see, another relationship Character with a relationship To an actual Functioning, powerful god Again, um, it escaped me There was one there, tip of the top
1: Well, there's at least um, I believe uh, It, it yeah, wasn't it was. Constantine the movie Or was it uh, Where he thought that if he if he Sent enough demons back to hell That God would forgive him for his crimes
2: Yeah, basically committing suicide Yeah
1: Yeah so, uh, you know, if you believe in that, if you, if your belief in God says that, you know, uh, I have to do this in order to achieve my ultimate goal, which is to go to heaven, then you may engage in all kinds of evil acts to achieve that. You know, as long as those acts are directed toward things that your God thinks is bad, you know, or is willing to let you kill or whatever, it's all good. But, you know, you... Uh, and gods uh, have a tendency to... Present goals that are really lofty uh, Or really Hard to achieve So you're going to You know uh, it's going to affect You know what your vision As to what you should be doing with your life Yeah So uh, and then You know, while you're doing this sort of thing, you know, a lot of times we we concentrate on, well, what are you willing to do to other people and what are other people willing to let you do to them, you know, and still not get rid of you? There's also what are you willing to sacrifice and suffer for? How far are you willing to go and experience loss personally in order to achieve your ultimate goal?
2: You do realize right now I'm thinking of one entity, as soon as you said sacrifice, Thanos. We're talking the movie version. You're talking about the latest movie? Yeah, Infinity War. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Where, let's see, it's been nine months, I think we can get past the spoiler alert thing. Um, Thanos basically felt, because he watched his own home planet die, due to overpopulation and resource, you know, lack of resource distribution. And he basically just said, okay, wipe out Half the life in all universe, not just sentient life, but also animal and plant life. From I, I, I checked it out. and It's like yeah, half the animals, half the plants, half the sentience, all gone. And that was his whole goal. For even killing his own daughter, Gamora. Well, he, he
1: he killed her in order to achieve that end. Right, like, exactly. To and he, get he was to get that to, to get that stone. He, yeah,
2: yeah. He was willing to sacrifice one of the six beings that he adopted as as his children the black guard gamora and nebula he was willing to kill one of these child children that he raised granted to be an assassin to get this goal to eventually wipe out half of all life in the universe and then when he after he made the snap and he ended up there on that that plane of water where young gamora was there did you achieve your goal yes what did it cost you everything and yeah he was and it's funny my daughter and I actually had an argument over this about Thanos and I I chalk it up to my daughter just not having enough life experiences this is where the the one phrase is when you're young you root for Batman when you get older you realize you start to realize the Joker may have been right it's the same thing my daughter is 25 I'm twice as old as she is or you know soon will be and my daughter is just I can't... Those of you who know me off the podcast... My daughter has my mouth. I cannot repeat on this podcast... What she said about that. But basically it's like... No. And I'm trying to explain to her. Because she even brought up the thing of... well, Why don't you just double or triple all the resources... So everybody have everything. One... You can't make the planets bigger... In order to support all this life. And if you double or triple the resources on a planet... That's already... You know... That stays the same size... You're going to clog the planet. It's going to die anyways. Also... If you double or triple the resources, you're still just going to have bigger resource wars. Because now there's a glut and everybody everybody will start fighting. What he did, albeit very dispassionate and cruel, was the best option. He saw that as the way to save the universe. And he sacrificed, <coughs> eventually, all but one of his kids. Because by the end of Infinity War, Nebula was the only one that was alive. He threw Gamora off the cliff and the Ebony Guard, all four of them, got taken out by the Avengers. So... Yeah, he sacrificed five out of six of his kids to achieve his goal of getting rid of all half half of the life in the universe so the other half could survive. So he could uh, watch the sun rise on a grateful universe. So, yeah, if he, he was willing to sacrifice family, and he did love them. Granted, you know, he trained them all to be villains, but he still did the closest approximation to being a father as he could. Granted, he had Gamora and Nebula fight each other, and every time Nebula lost oh, here's another cybernetic implant. I think by the time everything was said and done, all there was left was Nebula was like brain and spinal column. Everything else was yep. wholly brain mechanical.
1: They, they extruded her, so yes, there's nothing left.
2: But yeah, <laughs> so he still did have feelings and he felt remorse. Mantis even probing his mind, you know, before Star-Lord started beating the crap out of him. He feels remorse, anger, regret. Yeah, because he had to throw his own daughter off a cliff in order to get the Soul Stone. He was willing to do it, though, but there was remorse. Because
1: he knew what mattered most to his character. Yes. Right, and he was willing to suffer and sacrifice for it, even though he I think he was making other people sacrifice more, well, but he yeah. still was willing to sacrifice himself. Right. So that's that, That's uh, he's a good example, and he's also an example of where people try their hardest to give him, to, to humanize him, when in fact is I don't think that's probably appropriate at all.
2: Well, no, no, I, I, because I,
1: I, I, don't agree that he, what he did was good for the universe.
2: Well, it was the best option. That's what my daughter and I were arguing about, and this was yeah. on a, a post somebody put, made a T-shirt, and it was, you know, little Gamora holding Thanos's finger, and it said, "Smart daughter and whole dad, best friends for life." And I tagged my daughter, and my daughter just went, "No." I'm like, "What do you mean, no?" And then this, and this was an ad on Facebook that I and we had this whole argument on this page and just... <laughs> because this whole discussion over Thanos on an ad for a t-shirt. But it was just because I had to tell my daughter, in the end, that was the best option you could get. And I explained all the other options that... you know, that my daughter threw I was like, no, none of them would have worked, and here's why. So, yeah, it was just... He is a perfect example of what are you willing to sacrifice and suffer for. Right. But you did say it the best. He made people suffer a lot more. But then again, it was for him, it was all ends to a mean. Thanos is probably, next to Machiavelli himself, the guy who wrote the book The Prince, would be the best example of a Machiavellian villain. The ends justify the means. He'll right. do whatever it takes to get
1: the job done. Yes. Yeah. And of course, it's always important to be a really good liar. I mean, you know, you convince people... You know, if you're a good enough liar, you can convince that even while you're hurting people, you're helping them.
2: Sorry, it, it, it's that how good of a liar on you.
1: Yeah. Well, I'll as a player to, character, to... bluff, you know, depending, if you're D&D, bluff is really important. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Or, or Intimidate, you know, lying is important in intimidation too, you know, depending upon how your system is. So, you know, you really need to be able to convince other people, you know, to align themselves with your point of view uh to give you what you want uh because you can't always take things by force first of all is you know secondly is that it's uh, and and if, if you do it well enough you might actually get them to be an ally yeah in which case you now added their strength to your own
2: well i mean that that again we'll go back to hitler i mean he he won over people on the power of the lie
1: yes and he said lie big yeah People will believe a big lie easier than they'll believe a little lie.
2: I actually, I, I hate saying this because it makes me sound bad, but somebody tried to get out of something and I had to teach them how to lie. And I had to tell them, put enough of the truth in a lie to make it believable. Yep. Okay, I'm going to tell this story. I'm going to try, and it's a personal story, but I will try to condense it. I'm on a date. We're sitting in the downstairs furniture department of this store in the mall down the road, getting cozy. Guys looking at, it, giving us a leer, like you know, you know, get get the hell out of here, you know. Find a room. Well, yeah, just you know, it's like, what do you? And and so I come up with, well, honey, I don't see anything here. I guess we'll go to Art Van and check out what they have. And as we're walking up the stairs, I just look at this woman, Dana, a friend of mine, and I said, "You're going to find out that I'm a really." good liar and that's probably a bad thing to say on a first date she looks and just goes yeah i'm like damn it <laughs> <laughs> i got that second date it took four and a half years but I <laughs> wow <laughs> See, she, I probably,
1: for, she probably she <laughs> probably forgot what you said that's why you got that oh, no second no date. It,
2: it was a running joke to us to this day i've known this woman now going on eight years i mean she was All another right. member of my friday gaming group she was gaming alongside my nephew jericho for a while but no, just that whole story about as soon as you saw how good of a liar are you, and <laughs> just I'm replaying that whole story in my head. No, it with with lying again, it's that the villain is willing to do whatever it takes to get the job done. Truth is subjective to a villain. Truth is, you know, there it, it it a very malleable concept, and it, it's funny. A friend of mine, one of my dementia buddies, and uh, shame I won't be seeing him this weekend at MarsCon. Dave Stagner, he did a musical play called The Tragedy of Obi-Wan, where Obi-Wan he, he painted Obi-Wan Kenobi as the villain of everything Star Wars. He trains a protege, protege betrays him, so he basically rallies the protege's kids to go and kill him. And I'm looking at Dave when he told me this, and I'm like, one, you just put my childhood into counseling for sexual assault, and two, that's a damn good idea. I never thought of it. <laughs> And it just, the power of the lie, it just basically, he lied to Luke. And remember, he said, what I said was right from a certain point of view. He had said, oh, Anakin destroyed, you know, Darth Vader destroyed, you know, Anakin Skywalker and this and that. And he basically lied to Luke about what happened to his father. And so that's why Dave made this thing about the tragedy of Obi-Wan. And I'm just thinking about it, it's like, yeah, if you can lie, I mean, heck, you can get somebody to commit effectively patricide and and i hate to say this about obi-wan i'm a hardcore star wars fan but yeah he kind of kind of did you know lie to his former protégé's kids to go after him but yeah as far as let's see another famous lying villain i mean all of them do i mean it's just oh well, Darth um, vader <laughs> well yeah yeah pray um, i don't change the deal any further yes um jeffrey rush's character in mystery men oh yeah 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 <laughs> See, I even killed my own men, and of course they're like, "Yeah, we're we're dealing with them." No, we just killed them outright, electrocuted all of them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, uh, lying at that's like breathing to a villain because they don't. I mean, unless you're again like the lawful evil character that they have a twisted code of ethics, but they still have ethics they follow. They may only lie to certain.
1: Yeah, uh, the the TV show Lost, the guy that was in charge of the. Uh... Uh, the the Dharma Initiative or whatever replaced it there, that guy you know he he also became the guy who was the lead programmer in um, person of interest.
2: Oh, Michael Emerson, yeah, uh, yeah, that guy.
1: Um, as we said, we know he's lying. His mouth is moving.
2: Oh no no, I heard that Ben Ellis that character
1: was just horrible. Oh, he was unbelievable. And I mean, you I, never, I never saw. There was lot. never a limit to him. Yeah, yeah.
2: I, I never saw Lost. I never watched it. It just I, I heard oh. the concept. I was like, eh. but then I saw purse of Interest. So okay. As I'm watching other stuff on YouTube about Michael Emerson, I'm going back and hearing about this Ben Ellis character. Yeah. And then there was a scene where, and it's a soliloquy. I mean, on YouTube you can probably look it up. Finch Finch talking to Samaritan or Finch Ben Ellis moment, and you will see if you if you only saw P.O.Y. and never Lost you'll see what they call Finch's Ben Ellis moment, where just, it's the creepiest I'd ever seen Finch's character in the four and a half seasons that series was out.
1: Yeah. But yeah, it lying... Trust me, Ben Ben was creepy most of the time.
2: (laughs) And it was funny, that was only supposed to be a three-week role, and Michael Emerson ended up having to stay in Hawaii for three years because they just liked the character so much. And he goes yeah, it was I only packed too a, good I only packed yeah. an overnight bag yeah
1: <laughs> yeah it was his character was was just it was too good it's like in, in the the Walking Dead you know the the tr- the love triangle I mean it was like two episodes long in a comic book but it took like two seasons to kill off that character because the the whole tension between the three of them was so good yeah uh, it was it was gold for, for a television show okay uh poison is the great leveler. And antidotes can be even better <laughs> because you give somebody a poison and then you get to hold the antidote over their head.
2: Well, yeah, you have the the example of a uh, Indiana Jones and Temple of Doom with Lao Tse, where Indiana Jones brought the uh, the little urn of ashes and then Indy drinks the champagne and Lao lapping laughing and then he holds up the bottle. He goes, What's that? He goes, Antidote. Now, you will give me back the gem. So I have both, and of course the whole rigmarole with them trying to get the antidote and losing the diamond, and yeah, um, yeah, yeah. With poison, yeah, that that's the thing. Again, it's just that villain doing whatever, whatever it takes to get the job done, and if it's threatening, killing somebody in order to get your point across, yeah, they're.
1: Yeah. Oh, and well, poisons are almost always a surprise. I mean, yeah, well, it's insidious. Yeah. You know, it's a surprise. It basically it trumps almost everything else. Anybody has, you know, uh, you know, depending upon the kind of poison, you, you can make a strong man weak. You can make a brave man fearful. You can make a honest man a criminal, just by, you know, it, it's by giving them the right poison. And when I say poison, I'm also including drugs. You know, you get somebody addicted to drugs, yeah. and they may they'll do stuff just to get their next their next fix. We'll do stuff that they couldn't imagine doing before it all started.
2: Oh, there's a movie with Nick Nolte in the late 80s, early 90s. I think it was called either DOA or Q&A, where basically he had what they called a radium mickey. So he had like four, 24 hours. DOA.
1: P- Dead on arrival. Dead
2: on arrival. Yeah, okay. And yeah, basically it was re- he, he had that radium mickey wet, had to he had to find the cure within 24 hours or he's going to die. And yeah. so he had to go through the whole thing, to, you know, solve the problem, get the antidote, and drink it down.
1: Right. So it's uh in the original it was called luminous poisoning. Ah. I thought that was a wonderful term. I always wanted. Yeah. You know, I I've been waiting to use that in another game. <laughs> <laughs> he says, "What is it?" He says, "What what's happened to me?" Luminous poisoning, my dear boy.
2: <laughs> or what? What's the thing now? I'm thinking poison. Princess Bride. The whole thing with the Io cane potter. <laughs> right.
1: Right. They were both poisoned.
2: Yeah. It's totalism, <laughs> I've just been developing a off.
1: resistance to it. Yeah, That's all. yeah, Oh, that that was so clever. It came out of nowhere. And right. And- so but I'm just saying it's a huge leveler. I yeah. mean, you know, the weak the weak can be strong, so the strong can you know can affect you know it's it's just it's it's a way of, of getting to people who otherwise you could never touch. You know, it just uh, and, and like I said, it could can take it can hurt people that are otherwise untouchable. Well, yeah, um, you had so you as had an evil all. character, as an evil character, it's really, it really should be in your toolkit.
0: Well,
2: yeah, and you had. Why do you think that people in power had food tasters?
1: Because well, they didn't want to die.
2: Well, yeah, because they they knew that in their line of work, being that there was always somebody out to take them, take them out. Right. So they had to. Yeah, sure. it, and
1: it usually is. Uh, you know, it's a good. I mean, you kill somebody, and and nobody knows who did it, and so all their friends can't come and kill you because if you kill them, and, you went up and stabbed somebody. Everybody knows you did it. And yeah. anybody, anybody who is their friend is now going to be gunning for you. Yeah. Poisons. You know, it it doesn't come with a identification. You know, so. Of course, that's also another thing you can do is that you can then plant the evidence on another enemy, and you get to you basically get to uh, stones, you know, get two birds with the same stone. Yep. So, yeah, it's great. It's great stuff. <laughs> As an evil character, of course. Right. Yeah. I per- you know, that's why in a lot of games, anybody who's good would never use poison. Right. Says so. You know, and uh, you know, uh, paladins and, and uh, most lawful characters. Yeah. You know, are, uh, won't use poison. So, okay. And then, of course, finally, is this always be polite. It's amazing how people will ascribe good values to people who are polite. You know, a gentleman thief. Yeah. You know, this person could be a monster. As long as they talk nice to you, then you're okay with it.
2: Why am I reminded (laughs) now of of the bit from Patrick Swayze in Roadhouse? Always be nice until it's no longer time to be nice. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Until it's time not to be nice, right?
2: Yeah, and they just go lead them out, but be nice about it. <laughs> That's right.
1: He says, uh, "You, you are the bouncers. I am the cooler."
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> right. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, in essence, is is, I mean, if you go around, you know, chewing the scenery, cursing at everybody, you know, just being an overall boorish person. Uh Then uh, no, nobody's gonna. I mean, people who don't even have anything against you are gonna find themselves aligning themselves away from you. Yeah. Okay. But if you act nice, it's amazing how people will will just suddenly just warm up to you.
2: Yeah. There's and... a, there's a song that my buddy Tom Smith made called Rocket Ride, and talks about older science fiction, and he talks about the courteous villain. Who, yeah, he may have wanted to get with the, you know, the heroine, the damsel in distress, but he never wanted to do anything bad to her. The most he wanted to marry her, and he knew how to wear a cape. And he never killed. He may have had the sword, but yeah, that type of villain. <laughs> that, right,
1: and, it, and, and it just, it's again, it's it's knowing what you want. So you don't, have, you know, if 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 other people aren't in your way, be nice to them, and they'll get out of your way. If they are, you know, it's it's amazing that you know how a little as they say, a little bit of sugar, you know, can you make can a get whole more lot of
2: rice with honey than with vinegar, yes. Right. It
1: also, you know, smooths the way.
2: Squeaky wheel gets the <coughs> cr- Yep, bless you.
1: <laughs> All right, so we're running out of time here, so let's try to get a little quicker saying if we if we're talking about, you know, there's lots and lots of stuff out there about how to be an evil overlord. There's whole pages and pages of adages about being evil. Books. Or... I've evil
2: yeah, it. Yeah, it's huge.
1: It's huge. So uh, I only have a few things in here, you know, which is basically, you know, uh, again, lots of minions. And, and have them compete really with so each other. This because this improves, improves your ranks and, and gets rid of slackers, slackers or troublemakers. So, so, you, you know, know, it's... You know, if, once you're a, a head of an organization, you have to think about how to improve your organization so as to make them more effective in achieving your goals. So, uh, you know, some kind of a uh, uh, beneficial to your people, beneficial competition is always a good thing.
2: And it is true. Get rid of the, you know, it, it it's, you know, the fight for the top. And you're always going to have that guy who's going to want to be, you know, seated at the right hand of the devil, so to speak. So, yeah, they're always going to have people trying to backstab and climb over each other to get to that position. So, yeah, that competition among the minions, because they want to be right there next, you know, at the right hand of the throne, yeah, you're going to have that. And it does weed out the lesser people, because if you're a bad guy, you don't want bad help. If they let themselves get killed, they weren't worth your time. It's like, yeah, well, you deserve to die. If you... You didn't see that you were going to get stabbed in the back. What good are you to me? Throw the body into the river.
1: You know? Right. Um, Second thing was uh, always have a certain amount of money or quest items on hand so that you can use it to uh, send all the troublemakers, all the heroes and other people who might want to usurp your power in the realm off on something, on a quest, to uh, you know, which will probably get them killed. But if they do it, then they get this really nice thing, you know, which of course you don't have to pay up until they come back. If yeah. they come back, you know. Now you don't want to do that if 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 the quest if they're saying go kill this person that they might actually ally with, because then uh, ally with because then they'll become stronger instead. Well, the whole <laughs> so the you,
2: enemy of my enemy is my friend thing, yeah.
1: Right, you know. So an example of that was uh, uh, when uh, they sent Shrek. To uh, kill the dragon and rescue the princess. Uh, <laughs> little did they realize that Donkey was going to figure out a way to uh, gain the uh, <laughs> uh, gain the trust and support of the dragon. Yeah.
0: Oh, he didn't have to oh, kill the, the dragon. Oh,
2: a feminine dragon. Oh, yes, you're wreaking a feminine beauty. Oh, you can't be blowing smoke rings. I'm asthmatic. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and, and which made him tremendously more powerful than he was before because, you know. She, you know, because she was willing to do anything to protect Donkey and yeah. their offspring. So, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I mean, so that's a situation where the king <laughs> sent him off to do exactly what we're talking about. Go, we'll give you some money if you go get the princess. And he ends up basically coming back and taking over the kingdom. <laughs> so that's, you got to be a little careful about that. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, but always, uh, so it's, it's, it's always good to pick your biggest threat that you don't think, you know, like some. Some e- really evil demon, something or other that you know that they're never going to want to ally themselves with, uh, and that take care of that. Uh, also, engage in random acts of kindness because a, it's much more economic than being consistently just, <laughs> and and and, it's, and it makes you seem thoughtful. Yeah. So it's it's just one of those things where you're just walking along and you just toss coins to some peasants. Look, oh look, he's so generous. You know. Meanwhile, you know. He's the rest of the kingdom people. is it's di- yeah. dying of hunger you threw a, a couple loaves of bread and one peasant everyone thinks you're a great guy yeah it is, you know I mean that's why bread circuses are all you know that's yeah, why yeah. They, they you know that's why you know politicians you know go out and um, you know kiss babies and shake hands okay <sighs> I mean, they're not actually improving their lot. I mean, it's not like they're getting everybody a job, you know, or, or righting a wrong or doing something that would really help the community. They're just going around and letting everyone know that they care.
2: Well, Bread and Circuses, to me, was always along the lines of as long as you keep your populace fed and entertained with mindless stuff, we can do one because as long as your populace is happy and mind-numbed, that's what I always thought Bread and Circuses was. Not so much the kissing babies and pressing the flesh
1: as it were, but it's it's still it is still mind numbing, okay? Because you you do you basically you acted a certain way to uh, uh, assuage their fears. You know, these people. The part of the bread and circuses was because these people were afraid of the Huns coming in and and destroying you know uh, destroying Rome and other places, which yeah. eventually did happen. But in the in the short run you know, they were uh, they were too busy having fun than to pay attention to what was really going on. Yeah, being decadent so, and
2: watching in the, the games in the Coliseum, yeah.
1: Right. And then uh, the last thing I have here is invest treasure. It's harder to steal if it's a building or a, if it's land that you've purchased, okay? And people will fight to protect your stuff thinking that it's their stuff. Because if you have a farmer on land, they're trying to raise crops, Someone comes in to go and take the land. They're going to fight him because I don't want to lose my stuff. Well, it really isn't your stuff. It belongs to the guy who really owns it. You're just sharecropper, buddy. Yeah. But yeah, that's but still you know,
2: if if that if that farmer's getting an attacked and it's the landowner's thing, the landowner is still going to send his troops to sit there. It's like and of yeah. course, watch this. The farmer the farmer will be like, "Oh, thank you for rescuing me. Never mind yeah. the the evil overlord. Oh, thank God, my land wasn't harmed." And that farmer's like.
1: Well that's you right. See, otherwise to. the farmer might just run away. Yeah. I mean if he has nothing at stake, he'll just run away. Okay. But if the uh uh it, but if he feels like, you know, like again he's working the land, then he has an investment and he'll actually he'll actually stay and fight. And so people that really shouldn't be out there helping you will stay and help you. Okay, uh, even if it's as little as carry water for the soldiers yeah. or, you know, drag them off the field for, for whatever. Yeah. I'm just saying this sort of thing, you know, you're investing your money. Don't have a big, you know, don't, don't be like Screws McDuck, okay, yeah. <laughs> with a big, you know, big tower full of money that you could dive into. You yeah. know, it's, you know, it, 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 it's being like thousands and millions of businesses, and uh, which which if, if done properly will bring in more money than you put out. So. Yeah. You know, you make know, it work for you, for you rather than just be there, there because, because ultimately that's just, uh, well, it's not greed. It's, uh, what is it? Uh, it? It's it's you showing yourself how great you are by how much you've amassed. Like the inside of the Lonely Mountain, you know, the the drag, Dwarven Key. I mean, all that money, you know, it's like that money, you know, should have been out, you know, creating a huge empire you know uh, all the surrounding area. Those dwarves could easily have you know essentially built a, a great civilization, but instead they just sat on it. So and it was it was it was the gold sickness. Of course, the king had gotten sick, and he yeah. was like, you know, none of it shall leave. It's all mine. It's got to stay here. And smog was the same way, yeah. you know. And uh, but the the smart you know evil uh, masterminds will you know use their their wealth to enhance their position and you know a, a prosperous you know a, a prosperous subjects produce more subjects which means your armies are going to be bigger your workers are going to be stronger and 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 more trained and be able to produce more resources and for uh, more everything that you, you can think about you know so it's uh investing that's why you know you know, we always say investing is better than just saving. Yeah. You know, so it's uh, and it's true, especially if you're a, an evil overlord. And it's you know, people can come in and just steal all your treasure, give it a big pile. But they certainly can't do it if you invested in dry cleaners across town. what are yeah. they going to do? Uh, uh, can we have an impromptu? We're gonna, you know, we want to auction this dry cleaner off here. Does someone give me ten thousand dollars? What? Nobody has ten thousand dollars. Oh man, what am I supposed to do with this thing? <laughs> it's the same problem with actually magical weapons and swords and things like that in D and D. Is that you know uh, it's a whole other topic, but it's it's uh, you know you've got you you your person you're you have more value on your person than an entire kingdom. So you know you can't really sell anything because nobody has the money to pay for it. Nor would any reasonable person ever spend that money on that item when they could be doing what I just suggested, which is to invested in the infrastructure of their own domain (laughs) all right so you got anything else or
2: well i mean you had the last one which you kind of repeated the point poison is the great leveler yeah keep it again you know and and have plenty of antidote ready not only for those that you want to save who capitulate to you but for yourself for when it gets switched on you right (laughs) because your opponent has gained immunity to iocane poisoning yeah
1: that's right that's right. It's, it's, always, you know, it's always good to have, you know, that you know, that. You
2: know. Well, you know, you've always got to remember the one thing too. Other than fighting never fight a land war when you're in Asia is never <laughs> deal with a Sicilian when death is on the line. Right. <laughs> Thud. Yeah.
1: Uh, exactly. Uh, yes, the uh, hubris was wonderful. <laughs> in that scene. He played okay. it masterfully. Oh,
2: yeah. Wallace Shawn, yes.
1: Oh. And, of course, that's and why he was such an obvious pick to be the Grand Negus.
2: Oh, God, yeah, that's right. Oh, I totally <laughs> forgot about that. Yeah. Okay.
1: All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening to us. Uh, uh, hopefully now you'll be able to play a, uh, a an evil character that actually can... Can survive a campaign and possibly even gain, you know, uh, your evil ends while at the same time not getting yourself run out uh, of town, uh, tarred and feathered, because you know how to play nice with other people while you're doing it. Uh, Remember that being evil isn't, you know, isn't just a point of view. It's philosophical choice. Yes. (laughs) And we'll have more for you next week. But until then, this is Bruce Sheffer saying... There are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them.
2: And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having
1: fun. Gaming on the Frontier podcast is wholly owned by its hosts. It is released under the Creative Commons 3.0 license. No commercial reproduction and any use of any element of the podcast must be attributed to the Gaming on the Frontier podcast.